Co. Tales of Terror, Roger, Jim, Cameron, Don, Roger, and Catherine. Hey, Nicole, how's everybody doing this evening? So what we got going on, Mr. Decker? How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Just living the dream. I don't know whose dream, but I'm living it. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. yeah. Welcome, everybody, to the show tonight. We got Colonel hey, everybody. Davis in here tonight. First time viewing the program. Awesome. Welcome to the show. So I'm glad to have you, Colonel. Hopefully you stick yeah. around and uh, enjoy the show that's coming up. So uh, I'm getting ready to uh, start Operation uh, Camera Stalker. So I've been programming uh, different types of uh, trail cams. Uh, I don't know what we're going to do, if I'm going to get anything. But so far, it looks like I got about 25, 26 down. So uh, I've got uh, uh, probably uh, two or three more to go. I got about 36, 37 I can probably put up. But my goal is, Decker, is to cover uh, a lot of acres mm -hmm. in funnel. I got some that doesn't have IR or infrared. Right. So, and I've got different types of batteries because we allege they can smell the different batteries, see the infrared and the IR. Mm -hmm. So, and I'm going to borrow this telescopic ladder too to put them up in trees and point them down to where sure. they're yep. out of their reach and human reach and so forth. But who knows? Yeah. You know, you know, I, I may get nothing. So I may get something, but <laughs> the chances are are against me. But Somebody that's going with me thinks I'm going deer hunting, and we're going to leave it at that, right? There you so what's go. Been yeah. Going on with you? Ah, uh, you know, not much. It's been fighting the weather up here in the mountains. We've had lots of rain, and then it gets hot and humid, and just oh, it's horrible up here. Um, but other than that, just doing what I do, talking to people, and and hearing stories, and and having fun doing all that kind of good stuff. Right. So what we got lined up tonight, kind sir? All right. Tonight I am very excited. Our guest comes from the hills and hollers of eastern Kentucky. She uh -oh. is a local journalist and folklorist. She puts on events um, and plans them and gets all kinds of stuff going on in the area to, to raise awareness of the local folklore and, and history, which is what she's really, really into. Um, she likes to explore like old abandoned buildings and take pictures of them. Uh, she is an award-winning journalist. She is exceptionally smart and absolutely beautiful. And I am biased because she is also my fiance and I couldn't be prouder. Oh, wow. All yes. right. Let's welcome to the show. Jennifer. <laughs> Ms. Jennifer McDaniels. Down. Yes. Welcome. How are you doing there? Welcome to the show there. Jennifer, you are live and your mic is muted. So let's unmute you there. <laughs> now, now you can talk. We can hear you. Okay. I think you went oh, a little bit, I think you went a little bit overboard with that introduction. But I don't think so. Everything <laughs> was absolutely 100% the truth. He must. Nothing but the truth so help you. So I, I, used to, <laughs> I used to remember saying that in the court of law. So, he must yeah. want something. <laughs> I got to figure out what he wants. <laughs> oh, Lord. 
<laughs> actually, I need his help putting up all these cameras. So that's what I really need help Saturday morning. <laughs> Good so, luck. And hello to you, Jennifer. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you. Thank so, you for having me. Give us some history about you. Well, I'm pretty much a lifelong resident of East Kentucky. Of course, I went four years off to college and dabbled here and dabbled there and explored here and explored there, but mostly been a, a down-home East Kentucky girl. Um, it's I'm one of those. There's a... There's... There's a weird position a lot of us are in in East Kentucky, and it's, you know, should we stay or should we leave? Because the economy's not doing good these days. I don't know if you're familiar with the devastating flooding that we had about a year ago. Um, it's hard. It's hard living in Appalachia. Um, so there's my generation, even younger, is faced with this um, challenge of should we stay or, or, or should we go and spread our wings, but there's something about the power of place. Um, our, our, our roots run deep here. <laughs> and so I continue to be here. <laughs> I continue to, my family's here. There's stories to tell here. There's, there's still life here. So I continue to be an Appalachian girl. Nothing wrong with that. I can say that. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I agree. Absolutely. <laughs> So that's so what, pretty so much what got you into the paranormal and cryptid world. Um, well, I guess the cryptid world came first and I'm by no means an expert like y'all are <laughs> or even an <laughs> avid researcher. Um, I'm just a curious fan. Um, but I guess it started with the cryptid world when I was full time with the newspaper several years ago and a group came to town to Harlan County to do some Bigfoot research and I did a story on them and to this day I have to look up my old newspaper clippings to this day I don't remember who it was isn't that terrible <laughs> that was nah, that was we're talking we about <laughs> we're talking maybe about gosh 10 12 maybe even 15 years ago and I need to look that up, but they came to town. They were doing some research. I talked to them. They were a hoot to interview. They were fascinating. And it so that started my interest. And I just started um, researching on my own, going to cons, um, checking out some books, and just got into the, the world of cryptozoology. But it didn't. It didn't kick into high gear, I guess, into more recent years. Interesting. I um, yeah. So I guess my work as a journalist and as a reporter led me into both areas, because where I live in Eastern Kentucky, um, our folklore goes hand in hand with our culture. <laughs> We're a very right. mysterious people here, and we love a good story, and we have so much of our oral histories is just as important as our like regular book history. <laughs> so it's just so much our mystique and our folklore is so ingrained in us that, that you can't be a reporter without coming across it and, and realizes it's a big part of our community and a big part of our culture and heritage. So 
reporting on this, reporting on that. It just kind of whetted my appetite more um, about our crypt about cryptozoology and, and the paranormal. Yeah, I can understand and see that. Absolutely. Sure. So, but I guess in more recent years, um, I became friends with um, a local person who was, who was big on the ghost hunting scene and all that good stuff. And I agreed to join up with him because I thought it would be good weekend fun. <laughs> I thought it would be a hoot to, to explore cemeteries at night and abandoned buildings and do that. And I viewed it strictly as entertainment. But once I got into it, it was, I realized it was more than entertainment. It was fascinating. So I guess that propelled my interest in both fields. Yes, that does happen, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Go ahead, Decker, so, all you. Oh, I'm, I'm just listening. I love hearing the backstory. Um, Je Jennifer and I'm I actually nervous. met at a Bigfoot conference. Uh, and so that's, that's kind of even how we got our started when she was working with the group and stuff. And that's how we first became friends. Um, and what fascinates me is she has such a love and knowledge of the folklore for her area. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight specifically is the, the haints and the hollers and all that kind of stuff. And look at the folklore of Appalachia and Eastern Kentucky. And we'll discuss some of the, the common urban legends that they have going on there. Um, the white lady is real popular. Um, we'll talk to some about the history of Harlan County, which some people may know is actually called bloody Harlan because it has such a violent past, which it has does. led to, yes, which has led to a lot of, um, the ghost stories and the paranormal and stuff going on. And we'll talk about some of the events and stuff that we've got coming up that kind of ties into it all. Um, so Jennifer, what, what's some of the big background for Harlan County that kind of leads into the paranormal stuff? Um, well, first and foremost, you equate Harlan County with coal mining, of course. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, at one point in time, we, we had the largest coal camp in the world in the 1940s, and that was U.S. Steel in a little town called Lynch um, that's located about 15 miles up the road from where I live. And it was the largest coal camp in the world, and it was the richest um, coal camp in the world at, at one point in time. So you can't you can't have that, and and you have all this people coming from all over the world to find a job there, <laughs> and, and so you had this melting pot of different cultures and storytelling, and and also you're going to have a rip roaring time of wild poker games in these co in these rowdy co camps <laughs> brothels right. and areas called silk stocking row <laughs> there was a lot of immense um energy history activity in a, in a bustling place like that um so that that just set the stage for uh, interesting stories um that happened here because of that we we might be um a place of abandonment now pretty much but back in the day it was it was pretty wild <laughs> so that definitely set the stage um historically and culturally for 
for some of the ne more nefarious stories that's happened here. And also there's some, some natural history behind our area that, that some say causes this place to be a, a paranormal hotspot. We've talked about that before, Justin, mm -hmm. you know what I'm getting into? <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, they say that an ancient river runs under the Appalachian mountains. The Appalachians are some of the oldest mountains in the world. And we may not be the tallest that you, you got to speak down there at the smoky mountains, <laughs> but <laughs> we're not the tallest because we are old. Our mountains are old. So they've withered over time, mm -hmm. but, um, and they were formed by violent earthquake. So they say that, the Pine Mountain Thrust Fault, which which formed the Appalachian Mountains. But there's supposed to be an ancient river that runs under us. And for those that know more about this than I do, <laughs> um, water is supposed to um, be a conduit for energy, correct? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. So um, that and a lot of the the rock formations that we have here mm -hmm. because of the violent earthquake that formed our mountains. Um, there's a lot of limestone and different natural elements that, that causes it to, yes, there you go. Thank you. That causes yep. it to be, um, like I said, a natural conduit for some, some pretty cool stuff to happen here. So a lot of people just vow by that our natural history, our geography um, makes it um, a place where mysterious things happen. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Perfectly. And then you're mm -hmm. absolutely right. That's uh, some of the major theories of like why certain areas of the country are more active. It is because of the geological makeup and the presence of limestone and quartz and and things like that like that's a big part of it um a big theory yeah. is quartz quartz holds energy like a tape recorder for those of us that are old enough to know what tape recorders are um <laughs> like a usb drive for some of you younger folk um and it holds a, a record and it can replay that given certain times and, and certain um uh, conditions that are met and so the whole area um is just really like you said, ripe and conducive for paranormal activity of all kinds. Yeah. Right. I so mean, you, uh, go ahead. Well, if you couple that, our natural history with mm -hmm. our rich history in, in coal mining. And, and like I said, we, we were the place where people came from all over the world <laughs> um, to settle and to find jobs in the mines. Um, so if you couple the natural history, the cultural history, and that we just, and the remoteness of it all. Um, like I said, we might not be the highest mountains, um, but this is, this is a remote place. And that, that certainly adds to um, weird and different things happening here. Sure. Absolutely. And we're, so um, we're, natural born, go ahead. We're, we're natural born, we're natural born storytellers here. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I think it's from our diverse background, the, you know, Ireland, Scotland, the Italians, <laughs> Englishmen. <laughs> um, and because we were so remote, that's what we did for entertainment, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, was sit on the front porch and tell a good story, which we do to this day. So we've 
we've got this natural history. We've got this cultural history. We're awesome storytellers. So then you've got the makings for just a place that's that's absolutely fascinating with our with our folklore. Yep. Uh, Roger Blair there, Jen, one of our guests in the audience. Uh, he's from Pike County. Oh, okay. Just a hop, yeah, skip, so and jump away. Yep, yep. He, he's a local boy there. And then, uh, I don't know if you heard, but we have a friend in the audience, Mr. Uh, Colonel L. Davis is what he's going by. You know who that mm -hmm. is. <laughs> um, that's our buddy Lloyd. Oh, um, uh, the, the Colonel yeah. threw me. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, so we got, we got some local people in the audience tonight. So that's fun. Um, what are some, uh, Jennifer is like a folklore. She, she collects the local folklore from the people and the stories. What are some of your, your most famous stories there for Harlan County in the area? Oh, in terms of folklore, it all ties yeah. back to the, it all ties back to the coal mining history, of course, mm -hmm. yeah. um, but probably we're most known for our headless Annie story. And every town, every community, every state, every region has a a woman in white or a headless story, right? <laughs> but, you know, ours ties back again to our coal mining history. And Bloody Harlan got its name because of the, the violent unionization battles that happened here in the, in the turbulent 30s. Um, uh, all these people came in, they found jobs, it became unsafe, working conditions were horrible, so the union came in. But there were some fierce battles here, so bad that the National Guard was brought in. There was a couple of battles here and there, um, but that's how Bloody Harlan got its name, because it was bloody. Mm -hmm. But had the, the folklore around Headless Annie, which has some um, history to it, and, and what I just told you is there was a, a, a coal miner that was helping to, to unionize. But the company men, the gun thugs is what the company men were called. Um, they didn't like what was going on. And so they would, they would in some instances, kill <laughs> the, the people that were trying to unionize. And the story of Annie is that the, the company hired hands, wanted to make an example out of Annie's family. So they took the father, the mother, and little Annie up way up into the mountains. They hung her father um, in front of them, and they 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 raped and then viciously killed the mother in front of Annie, and then they beheaded Annie. And that's terrible. It's a terrible story when you think about it. Mm -hmm. um, so the ghost of Annie is supposed to go haunt Black Mountain which is our, our famous mountain here because it's the state's highest peak in elevation. And it has, you know, a lot of mystique around it in and of itself, which I hope we can get into later. But mm -hmm, that's absolutely. our famous ghost story. There's been t-shirts, you know, you can go, you can Google Headless Annie Harlan and find out all about it. That's probably our most famous one, but I think it's probably our most important folklore story because how it does tie to our history and a very important, you know, critical time in our history where workers tried to get organized here for, for basically, you know, safety and, and human rights, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Absolutely. So you're always yeah. going to find out, you're always going to find it, especially here in Appalachia, maybe this is true anywhere, that our folklore 
is tied to something um, that's important mm -hmm. to this area. Does that yeah. make sense? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's why I'm so much of a fan of folklore or oral histories, because there's always more to the story. A reporter knows that. <laughs> you can mm -hmm. read the fact that's in a history book or that was in a newspaper. But um, and maybe the maybe the truth gets a little bit <laughs> blurred because when you're dealing with people's perspectives and their own personal take on stuff, you know, things mm -hmm. uh, things get a little bit dramatized. <laughs> but there is always an ounce of truth in these oral histories. So yep. the the facts are great, but when you flavor it with um, these oral histories and folklore and, and what people observe themselves, it's, it's still, it still adds some, some credence to what happened here. Just, and I hope that's, yep. that's getting across because the ghost of Annie, probably just a wild story that we love to tell around here, but how she became a ghost, how she became headless <laughs> in and of itself is, is important to this area. Absolutely. And that, that story carries on in the tradition and the, the story of Headless Annie. And I think that that's mm -hmm. super important for for those stories to be collected, because like you said, you know, earlier, there's there's a lot of people that are leaving the area and that that rich culture and history is, is slowly going to be lost as, it is. as those, those stories aren't being told or communicated anymore. You know, yeah. Um, and as we, now, as we saw, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, as no, we saw ahead. in the, um, as we saw in last year's terrible, catastrophic East Kentucky flood, um, mm -hmm. a lot of our uh, local Appalachian media centers or cultural places um, got destroyed, and with that yeah. was a lot of archives, a lot of photography, a lot of oral histories on tape or digitized, mm -hmm. and and so we lost that. Yeah. That's that's sad. I mean, that, that flood was was absolutely horrific. I know you were right in the midst of it all. Um, yeah. And you talked to the people and you got their stories. And it was absolutely horrible. We are just at the just past the year anniversary of that. Right. Yeah. It happened on July 28th of last year. Yeah. So and they're still oh. still, still recovering. But. Hello. You're fine. Yeah, you're still you're, okay. you're still alive. He just fell off. He'll be back. He comes and okay. goes sometimes. <laughs> no, tell me about it. <laughs> um, let's see what were we the, the the flood. It's um yeah um oh yeah now I know what I was gonna say the um Appalachians around here mountain people have a lot of attachment to um to things and and that's quilts photographs woodwork right. um and a lot of that you know disappeared in the flood and and that and that's been devastating just as i've, I've talked to people that you know their house might not have been washed away but their their photo albums were or the or the banjo or the dulcimer that their great grandfather made was lost and that's just right. as devastating to them because they they fiercely hold on to their heritage here 
Yeah, I mean that's that's their prized possessions. You know, that's 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 what they have. Yeah. You know, that's so these, that's actually the riches. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. These are the and these are the type of the people that that share these these types of stories that sit on the front porches that will sit around a, a campfire at night and tell these stories. I mean, they they hold on tightly to these 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 possessions that's been passed down from generation to generation and they hold on tightly to their stories. So that's why I value them so much. And um, I've set out now to um, to go to area festivals and events and just set up a tape recorder. And I just want people to tell me their stories and I want to start collecting those. Yeah, I don't blame you. That's nice. Oh, he's back. I'm back. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he pops <laughs> in and out. She didn't even notice. Look at that. I tell you. <laughs> I was telling um, him about how I'm wanting to start making more of a serious effort to start catalog to collecting and cataloging all yep. the oral histories. Yep. Absolutely. And I think that's that's an important thing to do. Um, as a researcher can... myself, I've always I, I believe you got to talk to the local people of an area to find out what's going on locally. And I take their word over any, you know, scientists sitting up in a university somewhere of what does or doesn't exist or what does or doesn't happen. You got to talk to the people because they're the ones there day in and day out. And they'll Absolutely. tell you what's going on. You know that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, I remember you were telling me about one gentleman. I don't know if this is a uh, headless Annie or not. That's why I'm asking. Um, he was driving, was it down one one nineteen and saw saw like like an apparition alongside the road or an orb or something like that. Do you remember that? Um, we have another woman in white story that's pretty okay. popular here. That, Maybe that's what I'm thinking of then. Yeah, there's a there's a little community called Black Joe. <laughs> And it has some coal mining history behind it as well. It was kind of a rowdy place back in the day. Um, but uh, there's various reports of how it happened. But she was um, the victim of a of a murder, of a of a kidnapping, I guess. Some guys that just got a little bit too rowdy after their card game, drinking too much. Um, saw a good looking woman, got her in the car, then then she she perished. But she's supposed to walk along one of our our mountain roads here and, and get in the car with vehicles. And we've had people from just, you know, granny that lives down the street all the way to a state trooper who became a detective who's, who was taken very, very seriously around here who vow up and down that they not only saw the apparition, but they had an experience with it, that it got in the vehicle with them. And this state trooper who, which will, remain nameless because <laughs> I don't have his mm -hmm. permission yet to share his story um, said, yeah, it happened. And he, wow. he's, he's as um, realistic as they come, you know, and his words, not mine. Don't believe in that nonsense, but then it happened <laughs> to him, but then it happened to him and he's like, Whoa, <laughs> um, you know, there's some, there's some things that really do happen here. And he still oh, yeah. tries to he still tries to deny it. Like maybe I was just seeing things, or maybe I was working too hard, and was just sleepy and just imagined it. But <laughs> but 
that gets into something else too that you're more knowledgeable about than I am, Justin, is because of the the, the melting pot we had here of so many cultures, um, mm-hmm. so much violent history, so much history and so much at once taken place. People just flooded the mountains, no, no pun intended, you know, because mm-hmm. that's where they were digging for coal. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where that's where money was to be made. So everything just happened so fast here that a lot believe there's um, that energy left over. And, sure. and that can be interpreted as residual energy. Is Am I correct in yep. saying that? Yep. Correct. So yep. She is considered by some people who are really in the paranormal and more knowledgeable about that field than I am to be considered a residual. Sure. Uh, residual haunting is like I was saying before, where it's like a tape recorder, um, just kind of replaying the energy of an event that happened in the past. Um, a lot of hauntings are residual hauntings. Um, you know, every night at midnight or every third Friday at midnight, you see this person walk across this room or, you know, something like that. Um, it's not an interactive haunting. It's not an intelligent haunting. It's considered a residual. And so a lot of, of street side hauntings and apparitions are considered residual hauntings. Yes. Yeah. So that could be because that was a different story. Somebody <laughs> made a comment too, Jennifer. You ever thought about going to retirement homes and, and talking to people? You know, I actually hadn't thought about that, but that is an awesome idea. I don't know why I didn't think about that, but yes, that's definitely on my list now. Yeah, there so you go. The camera at down is one is asked that question. So, so he threw that out I there for you. I hadn't thought about that. I was just hoping to, you know, set up my my tent and my tape recorder and my microphone at, at festivals and events, but retirement homes definitely. Yeah, that's there a great idea. Go. Yeah, good idea. See, Catherine, and it was a good question. Yeah. So what other stories you got coming out of Harlan, Kentucky? Because I know about Harlan. I'm from Kentucky. (laughs) I I just moved from Lexington, Kentucky back in February. So I know all about Harlan and Hazard and Pike County and all those. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What let me ask you a question then. What what do you know of Harlan? Uh, you what? better not be down there when the sun goes down if you don't live there. <laughs> I can tell you that much. We and do have if that. If you are a police officer, you don't want to work down there because that's where most of the state police goes when you're new. <laughs> oh, is that so, right? Yes, that is correct. Well, it used to yeah, be. We, I don't know if it is now, but yeah. We we do have that stereotype. Um, there's there's been crazy things that's that's happened here but um as a reporter from what i've observed i i would walk the streets here before i would in in a downtown big city (laughs) because they might be suspicious of you and they may be wondering what your business is (laughs) but if if you showed that you were in any kind of distress you would have help immediately that's the type Mm -hmm. of people we are so if you look yeah. at us the wrong way, if you look at us the wrong way, we might, you know, 
go get our buddies. And- <laughs> there we go, ladies and gentlemen. Remember those coal mines she's talking about? The ones that are they're still open and, and mm-hmm. don't ever or never filled in. Yeah, those are the ones your body ends up in. That's what I'm talking about. That's that's very true mm-hmm. too. We have yeah yeah. We have a lot of missing people reports these days. As a matter of fact, in a few weeks, I'm going to be sitting down with the state police and doing a story on that there has been a rise in missing people reports around here. And I think that's interesting in and of itself. Don't know what it's really attributed to. It it could be the simple fact that, as in everywhere else, the, the drug epidemic is getting out of hand here. It really is. Um, so it could mm-hmm. be just as as simple as that or or it could have some kind of paranormal association to it honestly but we seem to have more missing people's reports lately and i plan to sit down with the state police soon and and sort through that see what's going on that will be a very interesting conversation and a a lot of the missing people are are they're just vanishing like like there's no trace of them um i know jennifer and i have talked about a couple of different ones and and they're dragging ponds and they're doing everything they can do and they're not finding any evidence at all of some of these people yeah i I think you had on your show you know the the lamb case which is probably yeah Uh so that's that's a a story i followed closely and i think one of the family members is is in the process of organizing like a, a vigil a candlelight vigil for all the missing people in harlan to bring attention and awareness to that so that's that's in the works as well but justin you're right it's you know sometimes there's there's clues in the oh gosh what was that case with gabby was it gabby patino the national case you know yeah with her disappearance even with her disappearance they had they had some leads and 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 you do but the the cases around here there's nothing nothing that nope. that describes no no context no subcontext no background information nothing they're just gone roger wants to know what about the octo uh, octavia hatcher from pikeville you ever heard about that one i have not <laughs> Okay. I have not. So Roger, she has not. So he threw I that know. question out there on the board. Does it have anything mm-hmm. to do with the Hatfield and McCoy feud? That I don't know. That one I'm not <laughs> familiar with. So we'll have to see what Roger says. Um, and then, let I me know, throw that. I, in I know the, there's. Go ahead. Go ahead. Now, I was gonna, now that we're talking, let me throw that in the mix too. Is um, I think we get our reputation from the the feuds that we've had in the mountains too, mm-hmm. because we're 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 a good hearted bunch. We give you the shirt off our back, but like I said, but don't double cross us either. <laughs> so we're we're kind of known told as the you, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're definitely a passionate people, but we're we kind of known for our for our occasional feuds. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that, that reminds me, um, when I first started dating Jen, um, I was talking to a fellow of mine and a buddy of mine, and he, he said, Kentucky girls are amazing, but when you go to sleep at night, you better wear a suit of armor. 
because you never know what they're going to do. <laughs> right, right. Not I saw I saw a meme the other day. I, I've shared it once, but it's one of those that's worth sharing again that said Kentucky girls are like Gillette. You know, we'll cut you. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to touch on another uh, famous story that you, you've you been involved with there, Jen, and that's going to be the, the Monzo case. Manzo? Um, Manzo, there you go. I can never say it right because <laughs> I talk funny too. Um, the Manzo case. Let's talk about the Manzo case because I know there's uh, a lot of paranormal stuff going on and hauntings that has to deal with that. Uh, yeah, it's um, Manzo Shepherd. Um, it's his, his story was actually one of the most sensationalized court cases in Kentucky history. It, it took place in the early forties, 41, 42, I'm thinking 42, not for sure. Um, but it was, he was, he was a violent man around here <laughs> and, um, basically oh, there's so much to it, but basically his story is that he, um, there was a taxi cab driver named Joe Christian. And Manzo and some of his buddies wanted to, to rob him. And they they hijacked his, his cab, took him across Black Mountain again, our, our famous, notorious Black Mountain. And they slit his throat up on Black Mountain. And he bled out and he died. And I think it was just for some pocket change. That's all they found. I don't know if it was like three bucks or five bucks, but it was some pocket change. Um, but the reason why it became such a sensationalized um um, court hearing is he was <laughs> some family of Joe Christian um, entered the courtroom and they ended up just doing a little bit of Kentucky justice, <laughs> what we call around here themselves. And they put a bullet in the back of Manso's head there in the courtroom. Wow. Um, that happened. It's documented. There's newspaper clippings. And it is said that in the courthouse that's that still stands today where that took place that there is some activity there and we have had some local paranormal teams that say they have evps um and different types of recorded documented activity of talking to manzo um not to steal anybody else's work but i just think it's so dang fascinating um one paranormal um person around here actually got an EVP when they were asking Manzo, you know, what he did or, or whatever with Joe Christian, the EVP was, I cut him. And that's, wow. that's pretty, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, and, and I, I think that's neat for a lot of our um, paranormal teams around here. And we have more than one. I mean, you can't live where we do and, and not have <laughs> a lot of paranormal teams that find this stuff interesting is they they always they don't they're not out there to do it for fun or entertainment or to or to land some kind of TV show. They kind of tie it to our history as well, and and they do it to find to try to find answers, whether it's closure for the family or to help um, solve a missing piece in our history, or to or to add more concisely to our history. And that's what I appreciate about our local paranormal teams. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Especially now, if you get some validity to anything, especially to the history of it. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. 
and you're right. I think that's like what our paranormal teams do try to, to add to the validity of it all. Um, that I forgot to mention with that courtroom drama, the first trial ended in a hung jury because one guy just wouldn't, wouldn't give in to the pressure, <laughs> but, um, they got the second trial going and that's, that's the second trial. That's what happened is the family came in and ended Manzo's life himself. Wow. And an interesting little tidbit, caveat of information here. <laughs> um, he was practically dead. He's laying there with the last little bit of life left in him, laying there dead in the courtroom with the bullet in his brain. But, and then the guys automatically wanted to take him out, and so take him over to the hospital, see if they could be saved. Or, but the, the, the judge at the time said, nope. <laughs> said, I'm tired of this case. I think, you know, we need to finally put... You know, Manso to rest. Well, he was being put to rest, but you know what I mean. Put the whole case right. to rest. <laughs> and he says, we're going to get a verdict before Manzo, before y'all leave with his body. And they did that. <laughs> the wow. judge wanted it to be over. So as a man was laying there dying <laughs> on the courtroom floor, they they found him guilty for the murder of Joe Christian. Wow. And you wow. Know, in some states, uh, to this day, uh, if if you die, they won't pursue charges. Right. And yeah, that's fascinating, that's... right? So, and yeah. a lot of people don't understand why you have so many life sentences or so many 240 years. And I try to explain to them is that if something happens in a Supreme Court case, right, if it goes that far, and if this case gets dismissed or goes back and it gets, you know, knocked out, you still have these <coughs> other charges on top. So they're mm -hmm. still in the in the system. So I had to explain that to people because a lot of people don't understand why they get 240 years or 100 or three life oh. sentences with no parole and and so interesting. Forth. So, yes. Interesting. Now, just, there's just make sure if there's there's a loophole on one, they can still keep them on the others. That is correct. Absolutely. Yeah. It's always been a little bit of ambiguous where he's actually laid to rest. Uh, a couple of years ago, I, I found out the cemetery and the cemetery is spooky in itself. It's one of the county's older cemeteries. For some reason, it's not being kept up too well. It's on the side of a mountain up a holler called um, Bardo Holler, which is another coal camp place. But um, I found his grave little makeshift grave. Um, some of the some of his descendants' family, the shepherds, came in and uh, just painted it well enough for you to make out Manzo Shepherd. So there's um, the place where he was laid to rest is is just spooky in itself. But if you're not into cemeteries like I am, then you might not think so. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Jennifer um, has a thing for cemeteries, that's for sure. Well, interesting. <laughs> a lot of history. A lot of history there. Mm-hmm. There's mm -hmm. a that yeah, Manso's one of our more famous stories that and his he's his spirit is said to haunt the courthouse there in Harlan County. Yeah, I could imagine that. Uh, I yeah. think I would too. 
uh, paranormal teams that have investigated him say that he's still not at rest, that he's still very angry, that he's still a tortured soul, and that he's still very mean and threatening. Yeah, right. Yeah, I can understand that because they, they say how you are in this life is how you are on the other side. So, uh, Jim Cameron at Down or Don, uh, dead people have never bothered me. It's the living has. Uh, Jim, come <laughs> live yeah. in my studio. Uh, yeah. Play with my dolls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll change your mind on that. So, yes. But uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm a little skimpy on a little bit of everything. Decker knows that, and so does everybody else. But uh, oh. Uh, uh, I would not be caught at, in Harlan County and in Sunset unless I'm with somebody I knew that lived there. I, I can tell well, you that much. Let me extend to you an invitation to come to Harlan County on October the 13th and 14th. Is it time for a shameless plug? <laughs> yep, yeah, go for it. <laughs> we have a, a group called the Harlan County Arts Council. And we try to do something fancy in the spring and something that's as more associated with like folklore in our oral histories in the fall. Um, last year, we did an evening of Appalachian Haints storytelling with a chili dinner. Justin came in for that and was actually a cryptid speaker. This year in the, um, the old U.S. Steel Lynch co-camp that I was talking about earlier, we are going to have a historic Lynch um, ghost tour about a half of and it's fittingly on October, Friday, the 13th. So we're really excited about that. But you get to walk around and see these buildings that are still standing um, from over 100 years ago um, when it was in its heyday of being a, a coal camp. They're abandoned, of course, decrepit. Um, some, there's a couple that's been refurbished for city usage. But you'll walk a half mile circle to see these old um, abandoned coal structures. The, the mayor of Lynch <laughs> is going to lead the tour and talk about it historically. But then we're going to have a reenactor step out and tell a little ghost story that's kind of associated with that stop. That's so we're really, ex we're really excited about that. Because then again, we're, we're doing two things. We're sharing our history. Plus, you know, some pretty cool stories that, that came from the coal camps. And then the next day, on Saturday the 14th, we're having a, a cryptid lecture at um, a neighboring town called Benham. It was also a co-camp <laughs> in their historic theater that dates back to the 20s. Um, that's been refurbished just as a community gathering area. And we're going to have the cryptid lecture there. And we're going to have Ron Murphy. Don't know if you're all familiar with him. Yes. All the way from Pennsylvania. He's going to talk about vampires. Uh, which me and Justin have argued, debated with it, whether that's cryptid <laughs> or not. That's a, that's another show. <laughs> um, <laughs> Justin will um, hopefully do Dogman. Um, mm -hmm. Lloyd, if he's still with us, Colonel Lloyd. I'm start calling him the Colonel now. Um, <laughs> he'll be doing Bigfoot. And then we've got to throw some UFOs in the mix, especially what happened here recently. I don't know if you know about that, but our, our big meteor that we had here in Appalachia that, that made national news. Um, uh, it's I kind think, of. 
I think somebody posted something, uh, caught something in Pike County. Yeah, mm -hmm. it was seen all through. Yeah. It was seen all through Appalachia, East Kentucky. It was a humongous fireball that lit up the night sky. And people actually thought, you know, they have finally arrived. <laughs> the people from off mm -hmm. and aliens have finally made contact. Some people were convinced of that, but it was a, um, it was a meteor. And what is it? It's, I wrote about it, but it's failing me now. It's um, the meteor shower that's often seen in August. Do you remember, Justin, what I told you? What it's called? Um, <laughs> this no, particular I don't remember off the top of my head. But it was part of that shower that's, that's often seen in August. And this year, conditions were just right for it to be really seen. And about two or three in the morning, for those that were still up or coming home from work, a huge fireball came streaking across the Appalachian sky. So that's got the, the dialogue going again here for, for UFOs and anomalies of the night sky. So our cryptid lecture would not be complete without having Matthew Delph from Micro. Is it Micro, Justin? Micro, um, Mountain Empire, yeah. Mountain Empire Cryptid Research Organization. Yep. Yeah. He's going to come on over and, and talk about some covert work he's actually done with, with the military with UFO mm -hmm. research. Wow. So we're looking awesome. forward to those. We're looking forward to those two days here. Well, and really then after, after the lectures, are we still doing that other event? Yeah. Um, okay. Uh oh, wait a minute. Uh, Look, plus the best event around. Did y'all forget one? Oh, did we? What was their question? Oh, um, um, Colonel L. Davis said, don't forget, uh, plus the best event MC around. Oh, how could I forget <laughs> that? <laughs> <laughs> Colonel Lloyd has always been our MC. Last year he was at the evening of Appalachian Hanks and Chili Dinner. He was our MC and he was yep. such a huge hit um, yep. that the locals around here demanded that he come back. <laughs> so, and that's the truth. Yep. That's so, awesome. You should, yep. I'm that, surprised you haven't had Lloyd on, Justin, with you all. Um, it, it's in the works. It's in the works. I, I plan on having actually every one of those guys to come on to the show at some point. Um, it's just hard to get Lloyd's schedule uh, lined up where he can do with what he does. Something that I'm um, currently working on, you popped up the picture and it showed the Harlan County line. It made me remember it. Is You all know the song, um, You'll Never Leave Harlan Alive. In the deep, dark oh, yeah, hills. Trust yeah. me, do I know that song? <laughs> yes, I do. That's what we're famous for. But one line in that song, um, okay, in the deep, dark hills of eastern Kentucky, that's the place where I trace my bloodline. And it's there you'll read on a headstone, a head something gravestone, you'll never leave Harden alive. I've been told that there is a grave, an epitaph here somewhere that actually said that that gave birth to that song. And I'm, I'm working on that right now, trying to get up with the, the songwriter um, of You'll Never Leave Harlan Alive and, and, and see if that's true and, and, and find that grave, that headstone. Oh, wow. That'd be cool. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but, awesome. but to finish off our event that we're doing, um, after the lectures, we're actually going to have a ghost hunt in the theater. 
Yeah. Um, because the theater that we're having the lectures is actually purported to be a haunted theater as well. Yeah. Benham is next so. door to Lynch. Um, you've got all these old coal <clears throat> camps that were that was here in Harlan, and as the mine shut down, they became like communities or incorporated cities. So we've we've got all these old coal camps or towns, and and Benham is right next to Lynch. Benham is the little town that International Harvester built. That's what they go by because IH um, um, opened their coal mines in Benham. But they they built their um, they built their um, coal miners at theater for entertainment purposes, for recreation. And like I said, that was back in the 20s. And in more recent years, the city was able to lend grants and get it refurbished. And it's got that old vintage feel to it when you go in it. They still wanted it to look like the old theater with the red velvet curtains and all that good stuff. Right. Um, it's, it's, it's a nice place for concerts and and presentations. But, yes, it is said to have a lot of activity in it as well. So, after the, the cryptid lecture, um, a combination of people from, from different local ghost hunting teams are going to come together and lead a, a ghost hunt that evening. Well, that's very interesting. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like a, a very packed event, a very, a lot of uh, events to go to during the uh, mm -hmm. well, event that you're having, I guess a lot of things to do, I should say. Yeah. We're looking forward to it. It's, it's fun. <laughs> I always enjoy seeing some of my favorite cryptid and paranormal people but again the the harlan county arts council views it as community enrichment and education as well, mm -hmm. well yeah, we've not we've not even we've not even started you know the the sightings the recent as sightings the increase in sightings of, of bigfoot on black mountain yeah. <laughs> so that's that's another thing that's been happening here is not only are we having missing people, not only are we having a seemingly increase in residuals and people seeing things, um, there's there's some mysterious critters <laughs> that are that are being seen mm -hmm. in our woods as well. Yep. Right, uh, right. The black the black mountain pine mountain area is, is absolutely and it's fascinating because there is so much there. there. There's everything there. You got your ghosts and your haunts, your missing people. And, and Jen, we've taken, what, three reports off of Black Mountain here the past year of Bigfoot yeah. sightings. Um, in fact, and I'm going to throw this out there because I know it's, it's a sore subject, but whatever. Um, if you all have ever watched Expedition Bigfoot, when they did their, was it season two or season three when they did Kentucky? Um, I can't remember the season. It was done right there in that area, right there on Black Mountain. Um, I don't know if they talk about it. I've never actually seen that season, but that's where it was filmed at, you know. And so uh, there's just all kinds of stuff going on out there. Right. Black Mountain, like I said, is our state's highest peak. Uh, the co-camps <clears throat> that I just mentioned, Benham and Lynch, and it's... it's it's right there what we call big black um you go through benham you go through lynch and you start driving up the mountain um but it's it's 
there's a federal aviation tower up there um, because of the remoteness and the location. And so there's, there's been people who have officially worked there that have unofficially shared information, if that makes sense. Right. <laughs> um, right. Of things from UFOs to um, some kind of activity of, of animalistic creatures. So. Wow. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, I know Jen has a story. I don't know if she wants to talk about it, so I'm going to put her on the spot. Um, about animal mutilations going on back when you were a kid. Um, yeah. with, with the hogs, and they blame the neighbor's dogs, but we've talked about it a few times, and it just doesn't make sense that, that it would be the neighbor's dogs. Do you want to talk about that story and and kind of the experience with that as we lead into the critter topic side of this? Sure. Um, one of the stories that kind of haunts me because I was a child <laughs> and I, I saw something that just was horrifying to me um, was where I used to live. It was my daddy's old home place. And even though we had a, a modern house a little bit down the field and through some trees and down by the river, was the old home place where my where my dad was born and raised. It was his cabin. But, you know, through the years, it just started falling in and stuff. I mean, my sister would go down there and play around, and my uncle had a garden there. But me and my sister walked down there uh, one day, and th- there was just a feeling in the air that something wasn't right. And my my uncle who had a garden there also kept pigs, <laughs> some hogs inside that cabin. And we, we, we would enjoy seeing them and feeding them. And we, we looked through the, the, the area to, to see them. And it was a horrific sight because they were mutilated. There was blood splattered up on the walls, about five feet up on the walls. Um, it was just a horrific sight and we were so scared and we ran back to our house, told my mom, um, my father had passed away at that point. I lost my dad when he was only 42. Um, yeah. So my mom is one of those strong Appalachian women (laughs) that, Mm -hmm. that raised the daughters on her own. Um, but she, we, (laughs) this is true. There was a rich man that lived up on the hill, <laughs> one of the the most um, one of the wealthiest and most powerful coal operators in Harlan County. Bought some land from us and built him a mansion up on the hill. And he had some dogs, some Doberman Pinchers. And my mom was just convinced that it was those dogs because they would occasionally get loose. And so that's what we always thought. And you know, the my mom complained, our, our family complained, and he eventually put them down. But I've shared that story with Justin, and as I've gotten into more research with Justin <laughs> uh, about certain animal killings, um, I'm starting to wonder now if if this was different. And Justin is, brings out some points in the story that I tell him about how it makes you think it it might point to something else. You want to go into that? Well, just um, your description of the damage done. I know you didn't get into a lot of the graphic details here. Um, it, it just wasn't 
what you would expect from dogs like like doberman pinchers right um yes they they have a nasty reputation of being guard dogs and, and things like that um but hogs hogs are nasty critters um and i would i would place money on a hog over doberman pitcher any day if it's a full-grown hog whether it's a sow or a boar you know hogs are, are not not something to trifle with <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. and and to think that a pair of dobermans would come down and destroy multiple hogs at one time it just doesn't make sense it's not feasible in my opinion they were um, inside the cabin um mm -hmm. that side of the wall had been partially knocked down but my uncle had like put a makeshift like fence up or whatever to keep them pinned in but mm -hmm. I, I guess the point that i'm trying to make is it's I, and i know dogs like that can jump and, and do anything but it would it was it was hard for them to get in there to them if that makes sense mm-hmm yeah, it just, they, just they had, they had to work for it, <laughs> right? And then the dogs would have sustained um, severe damage. You know what I mean? If, if they were in there and attacking multiple hogs at one time, they would have sustained some damage. Some wounds, yes. Yeah, you know what I mean. So there, there's just a lot to it, and then just given the history, um, there's a lot of dogman sightings in the area. A lot of Bigfoot sightings in the air. They go back to the same time frame. Um, and so it just, I, I'm very, very suspicious that it was these dogs. I don't think the dogs had anything to do with it. Just to give them by the story and then the details and stuff, you know, it just doesn't make sense that it was dogs. And some more modern day reports. Um, we have a lot of strip mine um, area. Where they did strip mining and and left the land and reclaimed it so way up on the mountains several thousand feet high you know you have these clearings and people love to go there to four wheel to explore mm -hmm. it's another world up there it's a it's a matrix of of wonderland <laughs> for four wheelers and <laughs> off-roaders but the, we've got some on one area we've got some wild horses Mm -hmm. and, and it's kind of drawn people because they'll go up there, ride their four wheelers and ride around, enjoy the mountains. And they want to see the wild horses. Um, well, in more recent years, some of these wild horses has been found to be mutilated. Don't know if it's oh, a coyote. Wow. Attack. Some people say, oh, it's just the coyotes. <laughs> or they say here in um, eastern Kentucky that the, the panther's coming back. That there's been mm -hmm. panther sightings, even though our fish and wildlife, you know, says no. But some people swear up and down there's we've got panthers again, so it could be like a a, a fierce cat. But mm -hmm. we do have a lot of reports around these parts too of of grotesque animal killings. Yep, and I know uh, our friend Matthew Delph has investigated several of them in the past as well. Um, and then, you know, some can be attributed to, like you said, large cats, but other ones just, they can't be because the animals attack in a certain way, right? Just like, like an MO, right? You know, Grizzly, you know about MOs and, and, right. and every, Absolutely. every killer has a way of doing it. Well, animals are the same way, you know, uh, mountain lion attacks or panther attacks have a specific MO to them. Dog attacks have a specific MO to them. 
So when we start finding these critters that have been mauled in different ways that don't match the MOs of other animals, that's when they become really suspicious and, and, and very curious, you know, and that's, that's the kind of stuff that we're looking into. And, and that's what a lot of these cases are where they one don't horse, line up with them. One wild horse was disemboweled. Is that normal? No. By, no. by wild no. animal? No. No, nope. see, we got some strange. I'll put it. I'll put it this way: we got some strange activity where I live. I moved back to my my home county where I grew up and graduated high school and so forth, and and that's why I'm calling it Operation Camera Stalker. And that's what I'm doing this weekend is trying to catch stuff on trail cams, which I probably mm -hmm. won't, but I'm going to try. Uh, but I don't have connections like I used to when, when I used to live here, you know, 20 something years ago. Right. So I'm trying to reestablish those connections. But there I know there's things going on. But who do you go to turn to, to talk to? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, because I know there's nobody been in these woods for a very long time. And uh, so we're just going to see what's going to stir up. And I don't know, go from there. Wow. But you know uh when your situations uh from where you're at it's totally different uh i mean you got history you've got uh uh folklore you you got uh all kinds of stuff going on and and been mm -hmm. going on. so mm -hmm. uh i mean especially when, you, when you're talking about that kind of mutilations uh, that's that's uh very unusual that does not happen mm -hmm. so, right nope. yeah so that's that's another so it, um, point of interest. It reminds me, reminds me of a story that our friend Lucas tells, um, and I'll just briefly tell it. But basically, a uh, ancestor of his was coming across the mountains. I don't know if it was Black Mountain specifically or, or which range it was, but it was in the same area, Eastern Kentucky. Um, and he was traveling with a companion and as they were, it was reaching nightfall, um, they started hearing some, some roars and, and loud sounds and, and animal activity. Right. And so they, they found an abandoned uh, cabin to, to camp out. And for the night, they figured they were safe. Uh, his, his relative went up into the top area in the rafters and made himself a bunk. Uh, but apparently during the night, something came into the cabin and attacked and killed his traveling companion and, and completely destroyed him. And the guy looked over and saw what it was. And it was described to be an African lion with a mane and everything. But we're talking, this is back in the 1800s or, you know, and, and the next day he comes down and travels on and um, it gets about later afternoon and he comes across the cabin with, with a couple of big dogs chained up outside. And then he hellos the cabin and the, the owner comes out and greets them and offers them a place to stay for the night. And they get to talking about the big dogs up front and the cabin owner tells them, well, it's what keeps the cats away. The, the cabin owner says, we have lions in these mountains, and the big dogs is what keeps them away from. So there, there's a history there of big cats, big ferocious animals that aren't supposed to be there.
you know, and I know that sounds crazy. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that's all right. I have a friend, uh, Judy Hensley, Mm -hmm. retired school teacher and uh, a writer, but she has collected um, oral stories, oral histories just of animal encounters. Mm-hmm. And so she has one book on the wood booger. That's what Bigfoot is known as around here. Mm-hmm. Um, she has one called Panther Tales. But there's there's so many stories that she's gathered from people. And a lot of times she has to do it anonymously, not give their names because people are afraid of being mm-hmm. ridiculed. <laughs> right. Um, I think she's got, but, what, four, four volumes of the Black Panther books? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. She has so much information yeah. and so many yeah. people sharing the stories that something's going on, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, absolutely of the um, different types of instances here. And g- going back again to oral histories and folklore, it goes back to Daniel Boone days, you know, and some of the journaling that Daniel Boone did, they have it there at Cameron Gap National Historic Park. You know, he wrote of a creature that they came across and they called it a Yahoo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, with their description and everything, it sounds like a Bigfoot. <laughs> but yep. they didn't know what this creature was, and they just called it a Yahoo. And that's kind of one of our sayings around here is, oh, he's just a Yahoo, like a big ape man. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, but again, you're you're going back to the importance of what's handed down our oral histories and our folklore. Because there's, there's, some, there's a nugget of truth to, to everything that's shared. And it just gives you yep. more of a picture of of what was actually experienced, you know, during those frontier days, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So basically, if you want to find some creepy stuff, go to Harlan County. <laughs> <laughs> that was, was that the podcast in a, in a nutshell? <laughs> that, that's the podcast in a nutshell. You want some creepy stuff, go to Harlan County. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Uh, I, I, I'm good, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, no. You know, and, and just, just, just the the connection that me and Jen have for our first date. I mean, she took me to all these different paranormal hot spots and cemeteries and and uh, Rebel Rock and just all this stuff. And then um, there's just so much, so much history there, and it's really tied me and Jen together. And and it's just part of who we are and part of what we love doing so much, you know, and it's absolutely wonderful to find somebody that, that I can share my passions with and she can share her passions with when it comes to the strange and crazy stuff, you know? Right. Well, what, what Justin fails to add to that is the first time we met to go on a quote unquote <laughs> day is, is he rolled his eyes at me. <laughs> uh-huh. When he first saw me, he rolled his eyes at me, and I knew it was over then. <laughs> yeah, well, well, this, this woman comes walking into the restaurant, all gussied up, wearing a jean skirt and a nice top, and she's wearing knee-high rubber snake boots. <laughs> that's the but way that's we because, roll. Yeah, that, that she was planning on taking me out to. Uh, Rebel Rock was the first stop, and it's copperheads and and rattlesnakes and all that out there. So she was just prepared and ready to go. 
but I may may, may or may not have rolled my eyes. Water. <laughs> I got my holy water, my crucifixes. My yep. sounds like bag a, and everything else, and I've been ready to rock and roll. It That's sounds it. like a good. It sounds like a good first date, doesn't it? Yeah, it sure does. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Well, it worked, right? Because three and a half years later, here we are. Get your get your snake boots. <laughs> get your snake boots and your crucifix, because we're fixed to go on a date. There, there you go. go. <laughs> so how does people get a hold of you, Jennifer? You can find me on Facebook. That's the best way to get me. I'm very active on mm -hmm. Facebook. Message me anytime. I get, get messages every day of story ideas, of people wanting to share their stories. I'm just wanting to talk and communicate. So message me on Facebook, and I'd, I'd love to hear everybody's stories. Awesome. Well, that's great. I'm so glad you came on the show. Mm -hmm. Hopefully everybody enjoyed it, and I really appreciate you. You took uh, some time out of your busy schedule to come on, and oh. uh, everybody's thanking you and everything. And uh, sounds like a great time. And then uh, when <laughs> is this uh, event going on again? October, uh, Friday, October the thirteenth, and Saturday, October the fourteenth. And we'll have information on Facebook as well. There's already a lynch historic ghost tour um facebook event page that's out there and this weekend we'll get the um the cryptid lecture up too so they can just type that into the search yep. bar and go to the page and keep up to date with with what's going on awesome. but it's an excellent it's an excellent time if you ever was curious about um bloody harlan to to come to our neck of the woods check it out and um and it's free and it's free. Good point. Absolutely free. free. Yep. Well, you can't beat that. Well, ladies and gentlemen, from coast to coast and around the world, that's a wrap. We'll catch you on the next show. Have a good night. Thanks, Jennifer. Thank you all. Bye -bye. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great night, everybody. It's a grizzly. Should we get out of here? No. We're gonna watch and listen. Action. It's a grizzly. Oh, ship, should we run? <laughs> no. Action. It's a grizzly. Oh, shit. Should we run?
Okay. <laughs> it's a grizzly. Are you sure it's not a chipmunk? <laughs> It's a grizzly. Huh. Maybe it is a chipmunk. It's a grizzly. Are we gonna die? I don't know. We're just gonna sit here and listen and watch. Let's get out of here, maybe. Oh! <laughs>